0: Last week we talked about uh, the miraculous side, that uh, if you're reading the Gospels, uh, you see that people constantly were amazed at His miracles. And uh, if you read the Gospels as well, you also see that over and over again you see people amazed at His teaching. And uh, you know, Christians all over the world and a lot of folks even who don't call themselves Christians are amazed at many of the teachings of Jesus. A lot of the sayings we have come from the teaching of Jesus and just the wisdom that comes from, from him. Uh, he's actually called teacher 45 times in the New Testament. He's not just a miracle worker and not just called Lord, but he's also over and over again called teacher. Um, right from the beginning, we see that he was filled with wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, it says the child, talking about Jesus grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom and God's favor was on him. Or Luke two fifty two. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. That right from the beginning, it seemed that there was this wisdom about Jesus um, that just was manifest. And we don't know a lot about Jesus between kind of the nativity story and when he was 12. I mean, the gospels don't say anything. But when he is 12 years old, there's a little story in the Gospels that just speaks of how Jesus was growing in wisdom. In Luke chapter 2, it says after the celebration, that's the the Passover, uh, uh, Jesus and his family would have gone to the Passover every year, and so the Passover festival was finally over. And they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers and and they would have been traveling with hundreds of people, like these large crowds, and he was 12, and in those days, 12-year-old was much more adult than probably 12-year-old kids today, and so he would have been fairly independent, but, but they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard them were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And so uh, we see when he's 12 years old, he is impressing the religious teachers, the religious leaders, and he is very wise. And all of a sudden, we see at a very young age that there's something very special about Jesus. And we know uh, one of the reasons, obviously, he is growing in wisdom and becomes very special, and, and this is good for us too, is we see that he is sitting among the religious teachers whom Later on, he would have a lot of debates with, and he would be trying to reform their religious system, and he ultimately would not agree with them. But here we see he's sitting, he is listening to them, and he's asking questions. And if you want to grow in wisdom, one of the best ways to do that is to listen and to ask questions. Especially when it comes to people you disagree with or that you don't understand. Instead of just, you know, shaming and judging them, but to actually sit down like Jesus and listen and ask questions. It'll help you grow in wisdom. And, and so Jesus grew in wisdom. Um, now the other thing that's important when it comes to Jesus as teacher is to understand that he was not some uneducated peasant. And some people just kind of assume Jesus was sort of an, un- an uneducated peasant. That he was, you know, just kind of like all the other folks in the, in, in, in his, in the population. But he was, he was educated and he was different than the rest of the folks. I mean, only about 5 to 10% of Judea's population could even read. And yet we know Jesus could read because in Luke chapter 4, it says when Jesus returned to Galilee filled with the Holy Spirit's power, Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read the scriptures that he uh, was obviously educated in the fact that he he could read. And we also know Jesus uh, could speak multiple languages. Uh, He spoke Aramaic, which was sort of the common language of the day. We know he obviously could speak Hebrew because he could read the scriptures, which were in Hebrew. And we also know he obviously could speak Greek because uh, he had his conversation with Pontius Pilate. So again, uneducated folks wouldn't be able to do that. Which makes it interesting when you read this passage in John 7. It says, midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him how does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? And scholars assume that uh, that Jesus was not trained in sort of the traditional Pharisaical rabbinical schools, but he was trained. Perhaps in some other system, some people maybe assume he was trained by the Essenes because they were folks who loved Scripture, or perhaps he was, some think he was just trained by the Holy Spirit or learned on his own, or his parents made sure he was, he was trained in certain ways, but he, he, was, he was actually very, very smart and very, very wise. And we might just assume, well, of course he was, he was Jesus, <laughs> uh, he was God, I mean, God knows everything, so Jesus knew everything, well, actually, that denies one of the sort of foundational Christian teaching which is about the incarnation. That Jesus, who was God, became human, and he became human like you and I. In other words, he was not born with a bunch of knowledge. He, grew, he got hungry like we do. He got tired like we do. And he was born not knowing anything, just like you and I, that he actually had to learn and to grow and to lean on the Holy Spirit and listen to God and actually all the things that Jesus knew uh, was not born with him, he had to learn from the Holy Spirit and from others. I mean, as it says in Luke chapter 2, that he grew in wisdom, or Hebrews 5, that he actually had to learn obedience, just as we had to learn. And so, uh, whatever we know that Jesus was this incredible teacher, because all over the Gospels we read things like this, in Mark 6, many heard him were amazed or people were amazed at his teaching or the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority there was something special about him I mean people could listen to the Pharisees and uh, the leaders of the synagogues but when they heard Jesus they were like there is something different about this man and 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 hundreds were attracted to him in fact sometimes people were so eager to listen to him that they would spend days and get really really hungry without food (laughs) And so Jesus had to create food, like in the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000. But, but he taught differently. He taught with this authority, which either would make him crazy or make him divine. and Because he said things like in John chapter 5, he said to the religious leaders, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. I was speaking with authority which means either you're crazy or you're actually divine. And uh, of course, we, we know him to be divine. Or we see Jesus constantly saying things like in Matthew, like you have heard it said, and he would take a, an Old Testament law, and then he would say, well, I say to you that he was placing himself as authoritative over the Bible, which people had in his days, which was the Old Testament. He taught with this real authority because one of the reasons he came was to reform the religious system. And, uh, of course, he did that. There were some times when he was just incredibly wise. And, uh, you know those mic drop moments when you're like, boom, mic drop. There were some of those in the teachings of Jesus, like in Matthew 22. Where it says, then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Because, uh, more than anything, the Pharisees and religious leaders wanted to have him arrested. They wanted to shut him up because he was constantly challenging their system, which was all about laws and rules, and Jesus was bringing things back to the heart. And so they sent some of their disciples along with the supporters of Herod, who were like the, you know, officials who were partnered with the government. I mean, they, they, they obviously thought a long time, it's like, how can we trap Jesus? And they probably got their minds together about how to trap Jesus, and so they come up with this plan where the religious folks and the supporters of the government come together, and they're like, we're gonna get him. And so teacher, again, that's what they called Jesus because he was this amazing teacher. They said, we know how honest you are. You teach the way of God truthfully, truthfully. You impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And this is a real trap because if you supported the taxes... You were, you know, denying the Jewish people. You were saying that the Jewish, you know, right of their homeland and, and their way of life was not valid. And, but if you said you supported Rome and taxes, uh, or if you denied the, uh, the taxes and said, we don't want to support Rome, then you were in trouble with Rome. And the, again, there were the religious folks representing the Jews there, and then there was the, the folks from Herod representing the government, and they come to trap him. What is Jesus going to do? Allah said, but Jesus knew their evil motives. Again, this was not because he was God. This was because he was filled with the Holy Spirit as a man having to learn and lean on the Holy Spirit just as you and I have to lean on the Holy Spirit. And he's listening to God and the Holy Spirit whispers in his ear, these guys are trying to trap you. So he said, why are you you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin used for the tax. When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesars, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesars what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. And his reply amazed them because he, he, I mean, it's just wise. I mean, it's like a mic drop moment if you would understand the day. I mean, he, they, they try to trap him, but his wisdom is so supreme and so Holy Spirit filled that he was able to, to, to get out of this. And when you're really listening to the Holy Spirit in your own life, there will be times when you feel like someone's trying to trap you or you feel like you're stuck in a situation and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will drop wisdom into your, your mind and you begin to say this and you're like, wow, that was you impressed yourself, uh, even though it comes from the Holy Spirit. Because you have these moments, just like Jesus, where he can drop wisdom into your mind. And, and Jesus, because he listens so much to God, his teaching was amazing. And... Uh, Now, the main teaching of Jesus, if you were to say, what is the main thing Jesus taught? He taught about the kingdom of God. More than anything else, Jesus taught about this thing called the kingdom of God. Like in, in Luke 4, he says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because this is why I was sent. That his teaching surrounded the kingdom of God, the good news, which Good news and gospel are the same Greek word. It's the same idea. It's the good news. His gospel was the kingdom of God. That's what what he taught. And this is important for us because our gospel tends to be Jesus died for your sin. You better get him into your heart, which is part of the gospel, which is salvation. But Jesus' gospel was far more than just salvation. It included this whole idea of salvation, yes, but the kingdom of God. And it's important to note this because This is where evangelicalism has gone off a little bit, (laughs) too focused sometimes on this one little thing instead of we miss what Jesus actually taught. As many scholars like Scott McKnight uh, says this, the word gospel today is one of the most popular words Christians use, but it is very peculiar that when you ask people to define the gospel, that definition that most people use is a definition that would be unrecognized In the first century either by Jesus or the Apostles because their message was the kingdom of God it was yes that Jesus is Lord and yes we follow Jesus but it was this idea of the kingdom of God is near get ready get involved in the kingdom Jesus spoke of the kingdom over and over and over and over again 155 times in the New Testament he speaks about the kingdom this was the good news the gospel is the kingdom of God in fact Jesus Himself mentions it 55 times. The kingdom, if you define it, is any place where God's love, justice, forgiveness, mercy, and inclusion are seen. It's far more than just me and Jesus, which is salvation, which is important. We need salvation. We need Jesus. But Jesus is also king over a kingdom. And his kingdom is at work in this whole world, this whole universe. And the the gospel that Jesus taught was very big about this idea of the kingdom. And this is what we are to be speaking about. We speak about salvation, yes, but we want to speak more about salvation. More than salvation, we teach about the kingdom. As Jesus said himself, the good news, or the same word as gospel, about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. Now, what is the kingdom? What did Jesus teach about the kingdom? Quickly. Uh, First of all, he taught that the kingdom is about the heart, it is not about external obedience. And this is one of the things he challenged in his day because the Pharisees and the religious leaders are all about obey the rules, follow the law. Here's what you need to, here's a, you know, the, uh, the 611 commands you gotta follow. If God wants to be, if you, if you want God to be happy with you, you need to obey, you need to obey, you need to obey. And Jesus says, no, 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 it, it's about the heart. That is all about, everything flows from the heart. As he said in Mark 7, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you but you are defiled by what comes from your heart or what you say flows from what is in your heart. That, that the idea of the, the kingdom, he said the kingdom of God is within you because it starts with the Holy Spirit working throughout your heart. And Jesus pushed this idea of making it all about rules and obedience and he moved it into the realm of a relationship and a heart. And he also talked about this idea that the kingdom of God It comes with one main command to make it really simple for us. That the Old Testament had ten commandments, you know. And then when Jesus is asked in the Gospels, you know, what are the two main commandments? How do you sum up the whole law? How do you sum up the whole Old Testament? Jesus said, you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And you love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus kind of puts away the, the Old Covenant and installs the New Covenant. And along with the New Covenant comes just one big command. And that's why Jesus says, I am now giving you a new commandment along with the new covenant. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And in case we miss it, he says that two more times. This is my command. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. Or verse 17, this is my command, love each other. And so this new covenant he installs to to take place of the old covenant is about just building the kingdom of God, which is a kingdom of love. And so we love God and we love folks into the kingdom. And Jesus also taught that this kingdom has a king. And this is why he spoke with authority, because he pointed to himself and says, I am the king of this kingdom, of love in Matthew 28 he says I have been given all authority in heaven and in earth that this kingdom that he is building that he is he is the king as he said in John 18 my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom my kingdom is not of this world that the kingdom that Jesus was building through his teaching was a different kind of kingdom than the world system. The world system is all interested in power and placing it over people. And Jesus is a different kind of king, which is a servant king who loves and gives grace. And, and, and he's building this kingdom. And, and Jesus says, repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And the idea of repentance is, is just to change direction, that anything in your life that isn't aligned with Jesus, anything in your life that isn't loving, that isn't blessing other people, to turn away from that and turn to the kingdom. As we are to pray, God, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, that we are tasked with that main command of loving one another. Love one another. It's the new commandment along with the new covenant. And so we teach the kingdom. We, we preach the kingdom as Jesus wanted, which includes salvation, which includes you know, receiving Jesus as Lord in our life. But it's far more than that. It's the kingdom that Jesus taught, which is that we are to build this kingdom of love in all our environments in school, at work, in our community, in our neighborhood. And wherever we are, we are building this kingdom of God and seeing God wherever we are. So Father, we thank you that you're building your kingdom and that your kingdom is beautiful and is loving and is filled with grace in every way. God, we, uh, we thank you that your son Jesus is king because he is un- unlike any other king. He's a king who's a servant king, who's a loving king, Is a welcoming king. And so, Father, we follow in his example as we love those just as you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.